I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is, uh, I've even lost track of what day it is. Is it Friday, guys? Yes. <laughs> it's Friday. Travel's kind of got me a little a little weird, but uh, just Black Friday, I guess, you know, with the news of Kalen DeBoer taking the job at Alabama. I think that we were all concerned at the end of the day. I didn't think he would take it. Chris, uh, just, uh, you know, instant reaction real quick. Well, we've been hearing all along that uh, if Alabama really came at him strong, that would probably be enough to to push him uh, towards Tuscaloosa. So in the end, it doesn't surprise me. I think at the same time, I think Washington did everything they could. I mean, they were going to more than double his salary. They were going to go up to nine, nine plus from what we understand and, um, you know, really try to help him, support him in terms of NIL and, and all the other things that, you need to compete at the highest levels. But at the end of the day, he gets an opportunity to replace the greatest head college football coach of all time. And you don't get an opportunity like that very often. And when you are deemed the man and when that, that opportunity comes, I guess you, you just got to take it. Scott instant reaction. Um, well, you know, uh, Good for him, I guess. Um, you know, we've been through eight of these. This one feels a little bit more um, just hard to hard to swallow to me. Um, and I don't say that because I wish him ill will. I know a lot of Husky fans do and everything like that. I I honestly want Kellen DeBoer to have success. And my, my question is, is this the place that he's going to find success? Because the second he wins 10 games – and, you know, loses two and doesn't go to the college football playoffs, the pitchforks are out for him. And he's never recruited in the South. He's never, you know, the culture at Alabama is so different from what Washington and anywhere on the West Coast or even the Midwest uh, has around it. And I just, man, he better win. And he better win quickly there uh, because, uh, you know, it's never easy to follow a legend. And you're talking about, I don't even know if it's arguable, the greatest college football coach of all time. And, you know, following that, it's it's going to it's real tough. So, yeah, Chris, it's just that I even when Saban stepped down, I didn't think it was going to happen. But, boy, it just seemed like one by one coaches were just falling by the wayside saying no and just being eliminated by Alabama. And, you know, by the time this morning hit, it just seemed like Kalen DeBoer was the last man standing. Uh, yeah, there, that's clearly one way to look at it. And that's in in the, the idea that that's kind of what happened in real time in terms of what we were able to see on the outside. But when I start to really kind of put the pieces together and have had a minute to think about it, it really feels like Jimmy Sexton just had his fingers on the pulse of all this stuff and he was pulling the strings the whole time. Because if you go all the way back to when Ryan Grubb was targeted by Nick Saban to be their offensive coordinator last year, clearly Nick Saban had been looking at Washington's program. He'd, be, he'd been looking at yep. all the things that they had been doing, right? So, and, and when we hear uh, Greg Byrne, the, the Alabama athletic director, had been targeting DeBoer and vetting him and all that all stuff. Year. All it makes, year. It makes total it makes total sense, right? So when you put all those pieces together, now all of a sudden you add Jimmy Sexton into the mix, it's like putting the neutron bomb in there. 
And so Jimmy Sexton sitting here going, well, okay, you know, DeBoer's my guy. You're my guy, Nick. I can get you the handpicked guy that you want. But what you guys need to do for me is you need to get my other guys paid. You need to get Lanny paid. You need to get uh, uh, Norvell paid. You got to get Sark paid. Sure. You know what I mean? So it feels like in the, in hindsight, now that we kind of know what we know, all these things seem to come together. But Jimmy Sexton was right in the middle of all of it. And, Scott, it goes back further than that because uh, Jimmy Sexton's client was also Jimmy Lake. And one thing about Jimmy Sexton, you know, that I've been told, he's always got his guy looking at the next step. He had Jimmy looking to be the defensive coordinator. He had him looking at other jobs. And when um, Kalen DeBoer hired um, Jimmy Sexton. Boy, that was a huge red flag for me. And it's kind of like I think that the first day on campus for Kalen DeBoer, Jimmy Sexton's going to have him looking at the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I just, just, whatever. You know, I mean, look. He's running college football right now. Everybody, everybody can complain about Jimmy Sexton. He's doing his job. That's what he's paid to do. And he's getting his he's making his clients rich and he's helping them advance their careers. Now, I don't know if this is a good career move for Kalen DeBoer. I I laid out why I don't think it's a great move for him. But that being said, Kalen DeBoer, it's his life. So obviously he's he's doing what he feels like he's is necessary to do. But, you know, the the thing that I think is just frustrating for a lot of people, besides the fact that, you know, Kalen DeBoer you know, has spoken about loyalty and, and building a family and building the culture here at the university of Washington and everything. I don't think this comes down to money at all. That's my opinion. I I think it comes down to way more than that. I, I, and it's something that Washington fans are going to have to look themselves in the mirror and, and understand is, is Washington a place that you can win a national title at? I think it is. I think Kalen DeBoer and his staff just proved that that Washington is a place where you can win and win big and possibly win the, the top title in the country. The only thing they, they did was they got, they got run away from in the second half and really the fourth quarter by Michigan, who was by far the best team in the country all season long. But, you know, th- this is not because of money and why he ended up where he is. And, and people need to understand that. I, I also want to just chime in, Kim, because you said all these other coaches fell by the wayside because they, they kept saying no. I don't think most of those guys were even candidates. I personally don't think Dan Lanning was that much of a candidate for them. I think that it was Kalen DeBoer and then someone like Mike Norvell was kind of their fallback guy. That's my opinion. Yeah, and one of the things that I'd heard, Chris, that um, kind of opened Kalen DeBoer's eyes, and whether you want to believe it or not, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, it's perception based, you know, instead of reality. But I'd heard that he was incredibly frustrated and started to have doubts about Washington when um, Michael Penix lost the um, Heisman Award because he truly felt that Michael should have gotten it and it just made him think, and I'm sure it was being fed to him too. Your guy has a year like that and you can't even win a Heisman at Washington because you're stuck up there in no man's land. Possibly. I mean, it's, it's possible. That's the way it works. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that are having buyer's remorse about it after what Penix did in the, in the sugar bowl. I mean, there's a lot of guys that came out and said, I don't know, maybe, maybe I didn't pick the right guy. I mean, Jalen Daniels is extremely deserving. Let's not, 
let's not lose sight of that. I mean, honestly, I mean, he had an unbelievable season production wise, probably the most productive season of any quarterback ever. And for, you know, for DeBoer maybe to have those kinds of feelings, that's fine. I mean, Roma Dunsey not winning the Bolitnikov, that probably added to it. If, if in fact you believe what DeBoer's thoughts are on Penix for sure. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, you can't change where Washington is. I remember, and you'll remember this too, um, Kim, with Caleb McGarry, when when he was trying to figure out whether he was going to go to Washington, stay home, or maybe go to a place like Wisconsin, which really blew his socks off, he was like, hey, if Wisconsin was at Washington, I'd go to, I'd go to Wisconsin. It's like, you can't change where it's at. It is yeah. where it is. So, you know, that is something that coaches have to deal with for sure. And Scott, I've told this story numerous times about, uh, you know, Mike Denbrock, you know, who was the offensive line coach for Washington that I had a pretty good relationship with. And he took the job at Notre Dame, uh, you know, a while back as the offensive line coach. And um, he said him and his wife had bought a house in a gated community in South Bend, Indiana. I said, that's not exactly a rough area of town. Why did you need to buy a house in a gated community? And he kind of laughed and said, in case we lost a game. Well, the worst year that Nick Saban ever had, he lost three games. What do you think it's like back there when you lose a game? That's what Kalen DeBoer is going into. Also had a chance to talk to Kirk McNair, who's just a jewel of a man. He's been covering Alabama football since Bear Bryant. And he said, this place back here is a grinder. You lose three games and, you know, they're going to, you know, pitchforks are going to come out. But uh, that's what Kalen DeBoer is getting himself into. Well, yeah, and that's what I talked about early on. I, I, I said it earlier in the podcast that I think this is a huge mistake for him because the second that there's uh, any kind of falter on his part, on on the team's part, if if he has an injury like like what Jordan Travis suffered, things like that, um, where Washington looks like it – or I'm sorry, Alabama looks like it could be a, a title contender and then he loses a guy and they, they lose, they don't care. It, it's it, We don't care. You need to win. That's what they do there, and that's what they expect. They they expect him to have top five recruiting classes, and will Kalen DeBoer be a guy that plays that game to get get them into that that level? I don't know. Yeah, and since the uh, you know this announcement's coming out and leaking out, uh, yeah, it's just been like the floodgates have been open to the transfer portal to Jabbar mm-hmm. Muhammad, Mish Powell, who else has entered? Chris, uh, Will Haskell, the quarterback. We already yeah, knew that yeah. was coming, though. Yeah, we already knew sure. Will Haskell was coming, but Mish Powell was a bit of a surprise. Jabbar surprised me only because I thought he was going pro. But, yeah, Dylan Johnson elected to go to the draft. Yeah, yep. and nope. we already knew that was going to happen, too. Yeah, so. no, this is, there's going to be a lot of that stuff going down. Um, Zadrius, uh, Rainey, uh, Rainey Saleh, the 2025 linebacker kid who just committed, top in-state guy. Um, he's backed off his commitment already. So there. Trust me, this is the first of a lot of bad news, unfortunately, for Washington fans. This is it, it, this week in Washington football, you would have thought could have been the greatest in the history. And it, I'm trying to think of um, a similar situation where it's literally gone almost from the pinnacle to like the, the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just in a span of literally like four days, three days. It's it's absolutely nuts how this thing is has completely gone 180 here. Yeah, no, it's it, it, I didn't think that he would really take it, you know, and I've been saying, you know, for quite some time that if Alabama offered that he would take it, um, I honestly think that's the only job that he would have taken. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just still hard. Um, 
you know, the numbers being out there, you know, around 12 million. Uh, it's kind of ironic that it, Kalen DeBoer's buyout is 12 million going to uh, back from Alabama to the University of Washington for the coaches buyout. But, um, you know, looking forward, you know, just looking at the candidates, this is a good, this is a good job and there will be a, no shortage of candidates, guys. Yeah, well, the other thing that we need to say, too, is just because guys are going into the portal doesn't mean they're leaving. They they want to see who their next coach is going to be. Yeah, that, they've got thirty. They've got thirty days. So yeah, yeah. Well, not just that. They don't just have thirty days. They have they have till the end of this, you know, spring uh, winter quarter. No, I'm it, saying they have thirty days to enter the portal. I thought they had till tomorrow. No, they got an they extra thirty, 30 days. days with the coaching change. They have an extra change. thirty. Whenever oh, with the coaching leaves. change. You're right. You're right. My yes. bad. Okay, I was yes. just thinking. I was just thinking the the championship game thing. So, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of these guys are going to go into the portal and start looking for other gigs. Um, and, but they're also going to have their hot eye on Washington. This isn't the death knell for Washington right now. I mean, it, it hurts. It definitely hurts. And it's not an ideal situation. But I don't think just because a guy goes into the portal does not mean that um, – you know, that does not mean that he's definitely gone. It means, hey, I want to look for other options, but I'm going to keep Washington as an option. I want to see who they're going to hire. Yeah, I think the key two players to keep an eye on um, are the quarterbacks, Will Rogers and Austin Mack. Will they yeah. follow Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb if Ryan's not um, named the head coach? But I think those are probably the two most valuable guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say that. And, and I don't know if we're going to wrap up the thing in terms of what the bore and all this stuff. I, I just kind of echo some of the things that Scott has been saying, but I would also add too that we know how important culture is to DeBoer. I mean, it's the underpinning for everything that he does. It's what he's all about. And having that culture at Washington is one thing. Having that culture at a place like Fresno state is one thing, but at Alabama, it, it feels like it's, it's out of place, right? It just, it doesn't feel like it's a perfect fit, but the only thing that I kind of go back to is that how long Nick Saban has been vetting this guy and how long Greg Byrne has been vetting this guy. And if those guys truly feel that Kalen DeBoer's culture fit can work at a place like Alabama, then I think the sky's the limit because the only thing that Alabama fans should honestly be really concerned about at this point is recruiting. And if he can get the recruiting piece done and he can truly turn that back around and really get it going in the direction it needs to, if you are Alabama, then the sky is absolutely the limit because every other piece to the coaching puzzle and the development puzzle and the game uh, management puzzle and all that stuff, that all fits perfect. And, and we got a chance to see that up close and personal. Let's talk about candidates. Who's top on your list, Scott? Uh, Lance Leipold. If you, if we want to just talk about guys that I would love for them to go, I, I really like them to go out and get Willie Fritz who Dan, uh, Troy Dannon has a great relationship with. He hired him at, at Tulane. Now, he just took the job at um, Houston. At, at Houston. But you know what? It's pretty obvious that things don't matter anymore, that contracts don't matter anymore to me. So um, those are two guys I would look at right away. If you want to go more realistic, I think Jed Fish is, a, is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, there's a lot of people that I've been that people have been texting me and I've been texting with that have all said um, Jed Fish would be a great hire for Washington. I, you know, I remember when he was getting hired by Arizona and a lot of people were like, really, Jed Fish? Huh? Okay. And then he's gone out and done a great job. Well, guess who he could bring with him? Noah Fafita and Trattoria McMillan. I mean, how how huge would that be? 
if he could bring that those two with him. So the portal definitely gives Washington some options um, with what's going to happen. I mean, with so many guys, I mean, uh, Alabama, I mean, Nick Saban just retired. Alabama guys can still go into the portal if they want, right, for another 30 yeah. days. Yeah. Washington people, um, you know, and the dominoes that this is going to create, that this is already creating, you know, with Nick Saban going first, now Kalen DeBoer is gone. Now, now Washington is looking, well, whoever they bring in, he's going to leave somewhere. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy. I mean, I think it, it, of all those one of the three that I just mentioned, I think that, um, uh, Jed Fish is probably the most realistic, but I would look at all those guys. And Chris, who's, uh, who, who are your top couple of guys? Well, obviously, I think Fish is, is is a is a great shout. There's also a connection because he's actually coached in Seattle when he was with the Seahawks. So he understands it, and obviously he's a West Coast guy. I think if you're looking for connections with Troy Dannon, obviously Willie Fritz, as Scott said. Uh, Chris, is it Kleeman? Kleeman, the, one, the coach at Kansas State? He, they both attended Northern Iowa around the same time. And there was, when, when Dannon was at, at Northern Iowa, I think it, um, Clayman was there as well. So there's connections there. You know, a guy like Justin Wilcox is always just kind of sitting around there waiting to see if Dannon tries to find the next younger kind of group of five coach that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Scott, I think you mentioned Rhett Lashley from SMU could be a guy they could go after. Um, Jeff Trailer uh, at uh, UTSA San, San Antonio. He was the head coach, and uh, Stein, who's at Oregon now, the OC, that was the coach when he was there. So there's Jeff Trailer's a guy that they could look at as well. So I think there's some guys, and then obviously, you know, you can't look past Ryan Grubb. You have to look at him. You have to try to see if he's at least open to staying, because you know going to Alabama was certainly in the cards for him last year before he decided not to go. So going with DeBoer would be a natural fit for him. And then you, you throw the wild card out there, a guy like a Pete Carroll. I mean, I've even heard, seriously, I've even heard people today talk about Chris Peterson coming back. That's yeah. never going to happen, people. No, no, that's that, never that gonna is happen. never going to happen. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think if they want to keep some sort of continuity, there's two guys on the current staff you need to look at. Of course, you need to look at Ryan Grubb and Softy mentioned Jamarcus Shepard. Jamarcus Shepard's going to be a head coach someday. Uh, I don't know that after the Jimmy Lake fiasco up here and Kalen DeBoer, you know, I'm, excuse me, um, the new AD Troy Dannon has said that he prefers to hire coaches who've had a winning record in the past. So. I don't know how serious he would look at um, Ryan Grubb or Jamarcus Shepard. The people who, you know, just poo-poo Justin Wilcox, um, he did a lot with very, very little this year at Cal. He's a better football coach than a lot of you people, a lot of the people out there think. But uh, I wouldn't be opposed to a guy like Justin Wilcox. Oregon sent him a contract. I mean, he was he was offered the job and all he needed to do was sign the contract at Oregon. Uh, so they obviously thought a lot of him and he would maintain the culture and the Chris Peterson type stuff. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that those are probably your leading guys. And I don't know, Fritz isn't a young guy. What is he, 62? He was a coach at Tulane and he took 63. his Houston job. 62, yeah. 63? Yeah. So I don't know. You know, this is going to be a Troy Dannon moment and uh, we'll see who he gets input from. But uh, Troy Dannon's got the chance to leave his mark on this program like Jen Cohen did. So um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And, uh, you know, but 
you know, some of these coaches on the staff, you just want to keep them around. You'd love to keep Jamarcus Shepard no matter what. You would love to keep um, Scott Huff around no matter what. Nick Sheridan um, was really tight in this offense, too. So um, I think that's going to be the real interesting point. It's uh, it's definitely Black Friday, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. And we've we've been here before. I mean, we you know, we knew it was coming with Jimmy Lake. I mean, all that stuff was happening. So it was a little easier to kind of mitigate um, the Chris Peterson stuff obviously came from out of the blue. Um, so that was really, that was really tough. And this is going to be tough too. There's no doubt about it, but um, I, I do want to kind of harken back to some of the things that DeBoer told the players right after the national championship game. Cause obviously everyone was very sad, disappointed, frustrated, mad, but he said, look, you guys have taken Washington back to where they're supposed to be. And I think ultimately not not this year, maybe not even next year, not even five years from now. But when the history books write about DeBoer's time at Washington, they're going to say that he was the guy that really helped them get back to where they were supposed to be. So we'll we'll see what happens, you know, when it comes down to it. But Washington's in a great place to hire another coach. Fantastic place to hire another coach. I think, to be honest with you, they're probably in a better place now than they were when DeBoer got hired. Because, frankly, there wasn't a ton of really, really great candidates. I mean, we know the other major candidate at that time was Matt Campbell. And look what that looks like in hindsight. It doesn't look good at all. So we'll see how Troy Dannon does. But, I mean, this is going to be the real litmus test for him. And he's in its pass-fail. It's just that simple. He either gets it right or it's going to be a real problem for him going forward. Let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys. We wanted to keep this short and to the point, and we're going to have a lot more. But uh, like I said, my text messages are scrolling. I'm sure your guys are, too. Phone is ringing off the hook, and we've got a lot on our plates to keep you guys as informed as we can. Just final thoughts, Chris Fetters. Yeah, tough day for Washington fans, no question about it. Um, it it's it's crazy. I mean, this is the one of those few times where everybody logs on, people you haven't seen in years. Are, are trying to figure out, I got a call from my dad. He's, he's in the airport in the Bahamas trying to get home. And he's like, what's going on? You got to tell him. So, I mean, it's just, this is the day where it's like, we're, we're putting sandbags up. We're doing everything we can to kind of keep the dam alive and, and, and going. But um, eventually when all this stuff kind of settles down a little bit, the coaching search, I think, is going to be a really fun one to watch because they have a lot more in resources. They've got a lot more in NIL um, stuff that's 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 kind of stashed away that I think that Troy Dannon can use to really help sell the program as being a big-time program. And for anybody that thinks that they can't get to a championship and win championships, Kalen DeBoer just did it, and he did it in two years. So everything is here at Washington for them to get that job done now it's just a matter of finding the next guy that can do it. Final thoughts, Scott Eklund? Yeah, I, I mean, I echo pretty much. I can't really add too much to what Chris just said. I mean, it's it's a rough day. I didn't think we'd be dealing with this for a few more years, honestly. And uh, maybe I, I was being naive about that. And um, I am going to – I know people uh, – you know, I'm trying to read the room and know that the Husky fans don't give a crap about anything – positive about Kalen DeBoer, but I'm really going to miss talking to him. He was the easiest head coach I've dealt with um, at the University of Washington. And I don't mean that Chris Peterson or Sark were, were terrible to deal with or um, even Gilby when he was here, but it's just, he was so easygoing. He would walk up to us when, even when he wasn't supposed to talk to us and say, Hey, is there anything you guys need? Any, any 
thing I can answer off the record, let you guys know, you know, what's going on or whatever. And, you know, and I'll do what I can and everything like that. I'm going to miss that. I'm really going to miss that aspect of it. Um, I really thought Washington had their guy for the next 10 years. I didn't think that he would leave for another gig, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, Washington will be just fine. You guys have been through eight of these, right? This is your ninth one. This will be your yeah. ninth head coach. Yeah. Um, this is my. This will be my seventh. I'm two behind you guys because I wasn't working for Dogman at the time. But um, you know, I, it, Washington is going to be just fine. Um, and I don't see a situation like Tyrone Willingham coming up again where somebody gets a fourth year because of stuff that's wow. out of UW's control. You know, yeah. I. I, if they make a mistake, they'll get rid of them and move on to the next guy. And um, I, I think Washington, like Chris said, is in a good position. Um, they're, they're on the nat- They were in the national spotlight for you know a month and a half, basically. Um, actually, for a whole season, really, after after they beat Oregon back in uh, mid mid October. So Washington is is in a good spot. I think they're they've got the right person to make the hire. I think Troy Dannon is really smart, and I and I think he knows what he's doing, and he's probably got a good list of of uh, coaches that he can tap into. So just stay tuned. I don't think it's as bad as it looks right now, but I do admit that it looks pretty bad right now. Yeah, this one sucks. This one hurts. Um you know so and by the way ninth head coach as i said on serious radio let's just make it eight because i don't count tyrone but anyways yeah just a rough <laughs> day <laughs> yeah, just a rough rough day um yeah ru- well rough couple days because we could you could kind of see this building yeah i put a post out on the board and some some people took it the wrong way just the reach that uh, university of washington football has because we have people logging on from all over the world australia italy romania Thailand, Bahamas, Belize. I mean, it was crazy where people were logging on from Mexico and, of course, the crazy Canadians up there. You know, shout out to Farhan. But, uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. There's a lot of interest in UW football, and this is a good place. It's a good gig. So, um, you know. VPNs are a wonderful thing, guys. Yeah. So, just, uh, you know, for those who aren't uh, subscribed to dogman.com, we're running 60% off your annual subscription right now. So, uh, you know, we're going to be all over it. We're going to be all over it. And uh, and I canceled dry January, by the way. I just went ahead and canceled it. Screw this. So maybe I'll do dry. Have you canceled it but not actually canceled it? Or have you canceled it and actually canceled it? Yeah, no, I haven't had anything to drink yet. Okay. So, <laughs> but uh, anyways, so. All right. Hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 